This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Long since Americans were wooed by images of Ronald Reagan playing the cowboy president, the Republican Party has used a John Wayne moral warrior mythology to build up its candidates and win elections. In his new book, Great American Hypocrites, our guest today, Glenn Greenwald, attacks this bogus mythology, arguing that the honor guard of the GOP has dodged military duty, has strings of broken marriages and affairs, and lives decadent, elitist lives, which they so ruthlessly condemn Democrats for doing. Greenwald is a former constitutional law attorney and now a contributing writer at Salon.com. His reporting and analysis has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the American Conservative. Glenn Greenwald, welcome to Weekly Signals. Thanks. Great to be here. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? Real good. Now, you're down in uh, Rio de Janeiro. What what, uh, put you there? I actually spend a fair amount of time here. I have uh, an apartment here, and so I'm here quite a bit. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. So, so you're blogging from from Rio and commenting on U.S. politics. <laughs> yeah, the magic of the internet. Yeah, <laughs> that's fascinating. Now, uh, we're here in Orange County, just up the road from you. Uh, I was I was at Orange County Airport. There's a huge statue of John Wayne there with a 50 foot flag behind him. Uh, what exactly do you have against John Wayne and and why do you think it's so tied into Republican politics? Well, it's funny. I've heard from a lot of um, residents of Orange County who read my book about that statute and about you know the the preeminence that he continues to have. And it's not just in Orange County, but really in in American cultural um, the American cultural framework. John John Wayne is really the icon of of American patriotism and masculinity and, and courage and sort of down-home uh, values. And, and he was kind of the pioneer of the way that the right wing markets itself as this sort of swaggering war hero and um, very, you know, man of traditional moral values. Um, and, and, of course, John Wayne's life could not be any more antithetical to the values that he pretended to exude. I mean, during World War II, uh, at a time when, unlike now, uh, virtually no American males uh, attempted to avoid the draft or avoid combat. People were lined up around the block, actually, to volunteer. And even the whole top echelon of, of Hollywood, uh, most male actors, uh, volunteered and fought in combat. John Wayne engaged in one maneuver after the next to stay out of the war, um, begging his studio to prevent him from uh, being drafted when his deferments were listed. And, and because he was really the only male star in Hollywood um, to continue to make films, other than really Ronald Reagan, uh, he was able to profit greatly by pretending to be a war hero when his peers were off uh, doing the real thing. And he spent the rest of his life uh, essentially being one of the most vocal cheerleaders for every American war that he could find, accusing war opponents of being communists and cowards and subversives. Um, and even one of, his, one of his wives, one of his several wives, said that the reason why he adopted such a, an uber-patriotic right-wing war-supporting mentality is to compensate for what he felt like was the cowardice and, and lack of uh, courage he displayed uh, during the real war. And, and, of course, the parallels between him and, and that regard and the current right-wing movement are, are obvious, as are, are they 
in terms of his personal life, the way that he had a string of broken marriages and one adulterous affair after the next, addictions to alcohol and, and pharmaceuticals, while pretending to, to prance around as this sort of wholesome American male believing in traditional uh, moral virtues and, and railing against anyone who he thought deviated. So he's really the, the, the template uh, was created with him for how the right-wing movement of today presents itself. Well, I'm always curious about this because this is a, this is a story that I've heard about him, and always wondered why this sort of mythology continues, despite all the sort of countervailing uh, evidence that uh, he wasn't this paragon of your virtue and and uh, this upright citizen that uh, that we here we get a steady diet of. Well, these these images are, are and these marketing techniques are extremely potent. I mean, just and and they completely trump reality. I mean, just look at. For example, if you look at Ronald Reagan and, and the first George Bush, uh, the first George Bush was actually a, 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 a war hero. I mean, he really did volunteer for World War II and by all accounts fought very bravely, whereas Ronald Reagan uh, didn't fight in World War II. He, he stayed in, 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 in Hollywood um, and was part of the Screen Actors uh, Division of, of the U.S. Army, whatever that is. Uh, and yet Ronald Reagan was widely perceived and held up as this sort of you know, tough, strong defender of American values, uh, standing on America's enemies. And when George Bush the first ran for president, Newsweek proclaimed that, that he had to fight the wimp factor. Yeah. Um, and, of course, the, the, the most grotesque example is the way in which George Bush and Dick Cheney, two individuals who steadfastly avoided service in Vietnam, uh, were able to campaign as these strong Churchillian defenders of, of freedom and, and these tough guys, while their opponents, who actually did serve in Vietnam, both Al Gore and John Kerry, uh, were depicted as kind of these weak-kneed, you know, spineless, uh, vaguely anti-American cowards. Yeah. Um, and so these images always trump the reality. I like the, uh, during the swift boating uh, of uh, John Kerry, there was the this canard that was floated that uh, Kerry had actually wounded himself in order to get one of his Purple Hearts. That's how bad, that's how far they went in order to try and undermine him. It's yeah, so it was a whispering campaign on the internet, and Ann Coulter actually went on. Uh, well, actually, Michelle Malkin um, went on MSNBC with Chris Matthews and explicitly propounded that theory that that perhaps uh, John Kerry had his wounds were self-inflicted uh, that he just shot himself in order to get out of combat. And, I mean, it was you know despicable. But these things bear no relationship to reality or facts. They they don't need to. No, I was I was always stunned whenever I heard this back when uh, Reagan ran against Carter that. Uh, the son of a preacher, being Jimmy Carter, was somehow less religious or less uh, moral than Ronald Reagan, who was a divorcee, a divorced uh, Hollywood actor. And how they, they, they do a great job. They do an amazing job of keeping these things afloat. And we're seeing some echoes of it today, aren't we, with uh, so the implications that, uh, that Barack uh, is uh, maybe he's not what he says he is. He might be a Muslim. And these things are they continue to kind of chip away at things at people that are completely contrary to to what we know to be true. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, the Carter-Reagan dichotomy is when I look at my book, because there is a... Uh, 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 virtually everything in the world has been named after Ronald Reagan. He's been canonized, and there's all kinds of naval ships and things like that. And I, there was a naval ship that was christened the USS Jimmy Carter, and, and a bunch of these tough guys on the right mocked that endlessly. And, of course, Jimmy Carter was an engineer on a nuclear submarine in, in the U.S. Navy um, and was a real sailor and actually served on, on a nuclear submarine. Um, and, and yet somehow the idea of, of naming a ship that for him was hilarious, whereas Ronald Reagan, who never had been on one, um, should have every you know piece of military equipment named after him, and and you know I think the moral aspect is is true too. Um, you know, no less than Mike Huckabee pointed out uh, that all three of the Democratic 
candidates, the, the remaining three, Edwards, Clinton, and, and, and Barack Obama, um, had all, are all married to their first spouses and all have kept their families together, uh, whereas the entire Republican candidate, field of candidates, uh, other than Mitt Romney, had been on their second and third marriages with broken homes, and, and yet, uh, you know, there's this constant attack made that Democrats stand for, you know, San Francisco values and elitist moral uh, hedonism, and they made that claim about Nancy Pelosi, who's been married to, you know, her husband her whole life, and, and it's made by people like Newt Gingrich, who's on his third wife, and both of whom, you know, were his mistresses, his second and third wife, and Rush Limbaugh, who's not, no one can count anymore the number of marriages and, and divorces that he's had. And, and so these kind of uh, attacks are constantly being made, and again, just like the military war hero uh, theme, in a way that there's no relationship to reality. We're speaking with Glenn Greenwald. The book is Great American Hypocrites. And how are the Republicans able to do this? Are, are they just playing, still playing off the, the culture wars in the 1960s and, and the fear of, uh, uh, of hippies? I, how, how are they able to, to pull off being such hypocrites in, in the face of the facts? Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you go back and look at 1988, which is really when I think these tactics were pioneered, you know, what they, when, when George Bush the first announced that he was going to run for president, uh, the the country was very hostile to the Republican Party, um, and he was, you know, in, for a year, um, 10 to 18 points behind uh, virtually every prospective Democratic challenger. And what, what Roger Ailes, who currently runs Fox News, and, and the late Weekly Atwater realized uh, was that if the elections were going to be decided based on issues, the Republicans had no chance. And, and so they shifted the playing field uh, to these very potent cultural and tribalistic attacks on Michael Dukakis, you know, to pick him as a sort of uh, effeminate uh, elitist who doesn't believe in, in traditional American values, is contemptuous of the values of the heartland, um, and built George Bush up into this kind of, you know, swaggering Texan with his colloquialisms. And, and these, these themes matter uh, in American culture a lot. But, but I think the real answer to your question is that the American media, uh, for a whole variety of reasons, uh, loves these kind of themes, loves to wallow around in this cheap, uh, kind of shallow, vapid coverage. Um, it's a lot easier to gossip about the candidates' personalities than it is to engage in real investigative journalism. Um, and they kind of are, you know, admire, they kind of revere these these kind of, you know, war hero images that the macho uh, moral men that the Republicans, you know, traipse around as. Um, and so they really play a vital role in, in disseminating these themes. And again, you see, you know, we're a country that has enormous, monumental political crises and, and challenges. And yet, look what we've been talking about for the last three months, you know, what's on Barack Obama's lapel and what his pastor is saying and um, how does he bowl well and is does he hate you know middle America these themes um, because of the media continue to predominate our, our elections to the almost virtual exclusion of, of you know substantive issues well Glenn Greenwald your description of the 1988 election sounds very much like what we're looking at in uh, 2008 in the sense that we have someone on the the Democratic side who appears to be the odds on favorite to be the nominee in, in Barack Obama and you have, uh, going back to the tr- the attempt to paint uh, Dukakis as this effete, effeminate, sort of uh, out-of-touch elitist, and we hear echoes of that uh, recently with Barack's statements about uh, people clinging to religion and guns. And then we have something even more sinister that came to us in the 88, which was the Willie Horton ads. And instead of a, a, a gentleman, uh, a governor who was uh, who signed off on the release of a of a black man from prison, we have a black man running for president now. And what do you expect to see from the Republicans as uh, we move forward in that regard with the Democratic uh, uh, candidate? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been, I actually wrote a piece uh, a few days ago about the parallels between the 1988 race and, and what's currently the attacks on Obama, and it was actually the New York Times had a front-page article um, quoting from that, that piece that I wrote and, and really advancing that theme um, and, and the historical parallels. And I think what you're going to see is just the most vicious and, and ugliest attacks that we've ever seen uh, for a very simple reason. There's no way the Republicans can win this election uh, if, the election is about anything having to do with the issues. I mean, the Iraq war is, you know, the single most unpopular war probably in all of American history. I mean, it's widely hated by an overwhelming preponderance of, of, of Americans. Uh, and John McNeil, no, no single political figure has been more steadfastly supportive of that war outside of George Bush than John McCain has. I mean, he wants to continue that war indefinitely at a time when Americans are desperate and eager to get out. Um, and then, of course, you look at the economic insecurities that Americans perceive rightly have been caused by Bush-Cheney economic mismanagement, and, and McCain largely uh, supports every single aspect of that policy. So by all rational measures, McCain should be, you know, 20 points behind in the polls. And yet he's not, and the reason he's not is because there's a cult of personality being built up around him, while at the same time uh, the personality and cultural identifiers of Barack Obama are being exploited and destroyed. And, you know, they began by trying to turn him into, you know, this radical Muslim terrorist uh, who grew up in a madrasa and had this radical Islamic education, and they convinced, you know, between 10 to 15 percent of the population that he was actually Muslim. Um, and now, you know, they basically turned him into, you know, kind of this uh, grotesque mix of, you know, sort of Abby Hoffman and, and Al Sharpton, where he's now a, a, an American-hating, you know, black radical. Um, and he hasn't even gotten the nomination yet. It's only going to get much, much worse. That's the only way that the Republicans have any chance to win, and, and it's what they do best. Well, I, yeah, I, I think that they're going to try to. I think the difference between 88 and 2008 is that my my perception of Barack Obama is that he's a much smarter uh, a candidate in terms of his ability to conduct a campaign than Dukakis was. And I do think that uh, we have learned some lessons in terms of what we're going to allow the Republicans to get away with unchallenged. And I do think that uh, Barack seems to have a little more fight in him than maybe Dukakis did. He's a, he's, the thing that impresses me about him, given all the things that they've thrown at him, he has not taken the bait, which is what they're hoping he will do. And I think by you seeing what uh, Rush Limbaugh and these others are doing to try and get Hillary over the top here, I think they do really genuinely fear Barack Obama as a candidate for president. Yeah, I agree with you on all counts. Um, I think the voting demographics have, have changed. Um, I think that uh, you're absolutely right that, that Obama is extremely adept um, at engaging these, these attacks in, in a very aggressive way without seeming to be bothered by them and really rising above them without ignoring them. Um, and, in fact, one of the most impressive things that he did was when they asked him about uh, the lapel pin and whether that reflects a lack of patriotism. He didn't, you know, run around uh, trying to wrap himself in every American flag that he could find the way that most politicians would. Um, he, he defended his decision and then went on the offensive and said, I'm eager to have a debate about what real patriotism is. And one of the people who have dragged us into the Iraq war and dismantled our constitutional values and destroyed our good name around the world could possibly claim uh, to themselves to be patriotic. And, and I think that um, people respect that. And, and I think another major difference is that 
um, you know, people perceive that our country has gone fundamentally awry. I mean, eight out of ten say that the government is wildly off track, and I think their tolerance level for listening to the media and the right, you know, prattle on about, um, you know, bowling scores and, and flag pins and the like is, is going to be quite low. And, and I think, you know, there are differences. The question remains to be seen whether or not the, the potency of those 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 themes, um, you know, can can be defeated. And, and I think that's the central question in, in this election. Yeah, I, I was watching on C-SPAN last night an address that he was giving in Indiana, Indianapolis, I believe. It was in, in Indiana, anyway. And he was speaking to thousands of people in some open-air stadium, and he was talking about the American Constitution in a way that made it sound almost radical, given the context of the world we live in today. And to hear people responding to his call for a return to an adherence to the basic principles of this country was quite amazing to hear, and to hear the people responding to it. So I think we are smarter than we were 20 years ago about it. Yeah, you know, I, yep, go ahead. I was just going to say, I hope so. That's going to chime in with that. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think um, that really is the unknown variable. And, and the part of the article that I wrote that was quoted in the Times article was essentially my making the point that I thought the entire Obama campaign is predicated on the, the premise uh, that it's no longer 1988, that those kind of, you know, vapid, manipulative, uh, personality-based sideshows um, aren't going to work this time um, because the country perceives too too extremely that our government has gone fundamentally awry and, and is craving um, a higher level uh, of, of dialogue. And, and I think you've seen that uh, with, with Obama and the way that he's conducted his campaign, that that is um, the expectation that he has, the hope that he has, the belief that he has, that, that by sort of remaining on that higher plane and appealing to what Americans really believe, he can talk past the slime show, um, you know, the freak show of, of the, that, you know, was sort of defined by Matt Drudge and Rush Limbaugh and our, on our establishment media. And, and that's clearly the approach that he's taking, and I think he's going to be pretty steadfast with it. We're speaking with Glenn Greenwald. The book is Great American Hypocrites, Toppling the Big, toppling the big Myths of, Amer- of Republican Politics. Why is it then that the media is so in love with John McCain, that they can't find any fault with him, that they go after uh, Obama for Jeremiah Wright but don't touch McCain for Hagee? I mean, I think, you know, first of all, the, the love fest between the media and John McCain goes back many, many years, and you don't need to take my word for that. I mean, you can ask, you know, the journalists who cover John McCain, and they'll tell you that they're just, uh, you know, amazingly enamored of him. They'll deny that it affects their coverage of him, um, but, you know, we, we've seen episode after episode, you know, major news network anchors um, and all kinds of television and newspaper journalists, you know, going around in 2004 from one Manhattan restaurant to the next on McCain's birthday, toasting him and singing happy birthday to him and you know just recently the the reporters who cover his campaign were spent the weekend at his ranch in Sedona Arizona spending time with him and his family you know he's very adept at, at manipulating the press and 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 again they you know the media is very enamored of this sort of um, you know war hero flyboy macho kind of uh, imagery that they fell in love with with George Bush as they'll say and were charmed by and and really love uh, with John McCain as well you know, it's important to note that the way that our, our, our mainstream media functions is that they curry favor with political power. That's how they get their scoops and their access and their exclusives and all the things that uh, enable them to, to benefit themselves and their careers. And our government power over the last 10 to 15 years has meant Republican power. And their connections and their alliances are, are with Republican operatives. And, and so it's only natural that they're favorably disposed to John McCain for that reason and, and because they're just so uh, wildly 
uh, reverent of, of his persona. It is true, uh, from what I've read, that uh, much of his uh, popularity with the press has to do with his remarkable uh, uh, amount of accessibility. He's apparently one of the most accessible politicians in Washington and has m- turned that to his great advantage with the press. Yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, though, I mean, it's, just, it's such a childish consideration. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it just shows how self-absorbed and narcissistic yeah. um, most of our, our media stars are, that they base their... Uh, how they cover uh, someone who's running for president, their statements, their claims, their positions, their policies, um, based on how stroked they feel uh, by the individual candidate. And the fact that they let that shape their coverage as they so plainly do, um, you know, just is sort of indicative of, of how softball and, 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 and what poor journalists they are. I'm just going to inject here that I think that John McCain is a fatally flawed candidate for president on a number of levels, um, not the least of which is he is... Uh, not that adept on his feet when it comes to a debate situation. He has contradicted himself on a number of occasions. I don't think he has the energy to be in a, a sustained campaign like this. I, I don't see him, I, I may be completely wrong on this, but I think within the next few months that he's going to reveal himself to be a, a, a gentleman who's not equipped to be president of the United States nor run a, an, a, an effective campaign for president. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's those arguments are are reasonable arguments, and I guess you know the most compelling answer uh, to that argument is is George W. Bush, um, who isn't exactly quick on his feet and and was flawed in all sorts of ways, not only in 2000 but especially in 2004, by which time the country had realized that he started a war based, you know, on false pretenses, and and he was reelected anyway. So I think it's a mistake (laughs) to kind of underestimate the potency of this machinery um, and the 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 attacks that are going to be launched at, at Obama. Uh, I know you can't get inside of uh, John McCain's head, but what do you think of his comments? It was a few days ago where he seemed to say that we're in Iraq for the oil and then backed up and said that, well, he was really talking about the first Gulf War. Do you think that he uh, slipped or do you think he had a moment of honesty? No, I mean, if you look at the history of McCain's statements ever since he got into Congress, um, he definitely is a less programmed a politician than the average politician who succeeds in our political system. He is, um, he does have moments where he makes off-the-cuff remarks um, that sort of reveal what he's thinking. And you know, I don't know. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody to deny the notion uh, that one of the principal reasons that we're so interested in who's ruling Iraq is because uh, it has the second-largest oil reserves um, of any country on the planet after Saudi Arabia. I mean, the idea that we can't acknowledge that um, is so preposterous. And, and clearly, um, you know, in an unguarded moment, um, McCain said that one of the reasons why he thinks it's important that we maintain our influence over Iraq is is because of oil. And he said it in the sense of, you know, we want to wean ourselves off of Middle East oil so we don't have to send our, our sons and daughters there uh, ever again. And, you know, then the sort of backup claim that, well, he was talking about the first Gulf War made very little sense for all sorts of reasons. I mean, of course, the reason why, um, you know, uh, one of the reasons why why we have such an interest in the Middle East is, is because of, of the, the oil that's there. I mean, clearly that's what he unintentionally acknowledged. Well, um, I want to thank you so much for the work that you do, not only with this book, uh, Great American Hypocrites, uh, uh, but also the work you've been doing with uh, blogging at Salon, blogging at Salon yes. and just the, the, the your consistency on this issue of Privacy, the telecoms, and all, all the all the work that you've been doing—it's uh, something that I 
read a lot of, and I and I want to congratulate you on the great work you've been doing with that, and also with this very excellent book that you've put together, Great American Hypocrites. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, thank you for being here on Weekly Signals. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.